Welcome to the On Target Living Podcast, a place where health and human performance meet. Hello, welcome to another episode of On Target Living. It's Kristen Brogan here, and I'm joined by our creative director at On Target Living, Stephen. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Stephen, this is so exciting. Yeah, this is awesome. I'm really excited to be here with you, Kristen. I have lots of things that all of our listeners and fans of On Target Living uh, want to know. So I'm going to be asking a lot of these really popular questions and um, we're going to try to get to the bottom of some of these. Yeah, this is going to be fun because, you know, a lot of our presentations, we really factor in some question and answer sessions afterwards because we find that people love to ask personal questions, but then also many people struggle with the same thing. So this podcast today is all about just diving into some really popular questions that we get on a regular basis and just going in deep with some of the answers so you can get some of your personal issues resolved, but also know that you're not the only one. Many people have a lot of the same issues. So it's, it's going to be a fun, fun topic today. Um, so do you want to jump right into it? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So these are in no particular order. They're just um, random ones that have come in. So question number one, what are the two things that you recommend people who are really trying to lose weight? Love that question. So yes, there is two things I typically tell people the first things that they should do if they want to you know, have weight loss. First thing is just starting looking at their current diet and starting to upgrade the quality of everything. So that just means finding better ingredients. Now, I know this sounds super simple, but it's really powerful because we know that as we start to make everything better. So if you're if you're eating a seven ingredient peanut butter every single day that has loaded with trans fat, that's not going to do anything for the body. It's going to sit in the body forever. Trans fats can outlive every single person on the planet. So instead of doing a trans fat filled peanut butter, that's going to bring no health benefits and totally not let you lose weight. You could switch to a better nut butter. Maybe you could do almond butter with one ingredient. So simple things like that. If you're doing um, a processed mayonnaise, maybe you're switching to an avocado oil mayonnaise that has organic cage-free eggs, avocado oil, maybe some herbs and spices. Um, If you're doing hot dogs on a regular basis, you can switch to better hot dogs that actually have real beef or grass-fed beef. So whatever it is you're currently doing, just start to make those better and find a better quality product. Because when you start to put real ingredients in your body, things that you can actually recognize and pronounce and you stop worrying about, you know, calories and carbs and proteins and fats, none of that matters. It's all about the ingredients. Then these foods will work with your body and not against it. So I can't tell you how many people think they're eating healthy. They're buying low fat English muffins and they're, you know, putting this peanut butter on there or, um, you know, they're doing a sandwich for lunch, but it's on bread that is, you know, shelf stable forever and has a million ingredients. So there's things that people are always trying to do, but it's not always real food that they're incorporating. So typically I tell people just switch to better ingredients, better quality, and then it'll work with your body. And you'll be so amazed at how your body can really respond with real foods and how it can start to lose weight and just work more efficiently. Because when you're putting real ingredients in your body, 
then it's going to improve your digestion. Maybe you struggle with going to the bathroom every day. Now, if you're not having good digestion and absorption, it's going to be really hard for you to lose weight. So maybe you start incorporating better ingredients and then you're finding that you have a bowel movement every day, that you're able to absorb your food a little bit better. Maybe your energy is getting better, your skin, your hair, your nails, everything kind of falls into place when you start putting real food in. So that's number one is just upgrading quality, which starts with ingredients. Because ingredients are number one indicator of quality, and you don't have to worry so much about counting calories because calories are not created equal. We know that 100 calories of broccoli does not do the same thing in the body as 100 calories of chocolate cake. So just making kind of that, that switch. Now, the second thing for weight loss typically is I always recommend people do a 12 to 14 hour fast. Now, people do intermittent fasting for weight loss, which I don't typically recommend because I find that it's not sustainable. So instead, I recommend a 12 to 14 hour fast, which is the during the overnight period. So if you're eating dinner at 7 p.m., ideally, you don't want to eat anything until 7 a.m. or even 9 a.m., so that 12 to 14 hours. So what that does is it gives your body time to cleanse, it gives the gut time to heal, it helps you to improve digestion so that your, your body can work much more efficiently. Ideally, you should be going to the bathroom, having a bowel movement, first thing in the morning when you wake up. So it cleanses the system. So when you are giving yourself that time to cleanse overnight, that can help to really speed up metabolism and kind of get your body working more efficiently. So if you are looking to lose weight, the best thing you can do is just not eating after dinner. And if you find that you have a lot of cravings after dinner, many times that's just a sign that may, you, you may not be eating enough during the day. Or maybe you're just bored. So just changing your, your behaviors, your habits over time. Sometimes I tell people, after dinner, just go brush your teeth. Get your jammies on. Go watch a movie. You know, Don't worry about eating so much. Or what I love to do after dinner is I always have a glass of mineral water with lemon and I just either I put lemon in it or I put a, a good fresh orange slice in it and I sip that after dinner just if I need something kind of carbonated or, or something sweet. So I find people have the most success with weight loss if they're improving the ingredients and then they're giving themselves that 12 to 14 hour fast. Right. So when I think of fasting, I think about during the day not eating versus eating later and then eating an earlier breakfast, you're shortening that span. So this you're just saying, you know, maybe eat your dinner at a reasonably early time and then don't eat again that night. I typically plan Monday through Friday. I have a consistent schedule. My little uh, six-month-old goes to bed at 7 p.m., sometimes 6.30. So I usually eat dinner right when he goes to bed. Um, and then I usually don't eat breakfast until probably eight or nine in the morning. So if you're one of those 9 a.m. you know, dinner eaters, that's okay. But then just make sure you're not eating until at least 9 a.m. the next morning. Now, I don't recommend people fast during the day. Just I've done it, and I just find that it's really hard to sustain that energy level to really get things done. <laughs> And many times people are cranky and it's not sustainable long-term. Now, if you're doing some fasting here and there just for your own sake, that's okay, but you want to have kind of a consistent plan, and I find that the overnight fast is, is much easier for people to maintain. And the alternative would be to sleepy and then fast during the day, right? I'm just kidding. Yeah, exactly. You can flip it around. <laughs> um, this person asked, I noticed that carrots are not listed on the food target. 
unless we missed it. Um, would you consider raw carrots a superfood? And I think what they're asking is, uh, you know, raw carrots specifically weren't on there. So maybe they're alluding to things that are just not on the target. Yeah, we get that a lot. Like, I think at one point we didn't have pineapple on there. You know, people have their specific fruits or vegetables that they just love, and then they see that it's not on the target. Now, the target is really tiny, and it's hard to fit every single thing on there. So we kind of just use, we generalize what are some of the healthiest fruits and vegetables, the most super nutrient-dense items will be on there. Carrots are perfectly healthy. So some things we couldn't fit on there, but if you think about is it in its most natural state? Is it one ingredient? Does it come from the ground? It absolutely would fit in the two center circles of the food target. So even though it's not on there, it doesn't always mean it's not healthy. So think about any one ingredient foods is is typically a superfood. So Um, aside from one ingredient foods, can you give us kind of a quick test that people can do just to get a better idea uh, if something's not on the list? I mean, all fruits and vegetables would fit. There's not one fruit or vegetable that I can think of that wouldn't be on there um, because we know it's one ingredient. It comes mostly from the ground, our plants. So a lot of plant-based foods will be um, there. So think of any fruits and vegetables. Think about any maybe like whole grains, whole foods like Oats will be on there and quinoa will be on there, um, farro, millet, lots of those, old, um, those ancient grains. And then even potatoes, potatoes fit. Potatoes are one ingredient. So even like starchy carbohydrates, uh, sweet potatoes, root vegetables, all of those would be on there as well. Okay, so potatoes are on there. So if I put a big thing of butter and some salt and some bacon bits, it's still... But remember, you can make all that stuff better. Maybe you find a better butter. You do grass-fed butter or you do coconut oil instead of butter. You know, I love bacon, but I just make sure I do an organic bacon and I don't do it all the time. But yes, I mean, you can build everything from scratch with just using these one ingredient foods. So potato, then you can add whatever else you want to it. Now my dad loves just a little bit of extra virgin olive oil on his baked potato with a little salt and pepper. It's delicious. So we can always make everything better. Um, Where people run into issues is just things that are more processed and more in the packaged kind of convenience route. So a potato would be much healthier than, you know, French fries. Or potato chips. Yeah, potato and potato chips are fine too as long as you're looking at the ingredients and you're getting potato chips with three ingredients. Maybe it's potatoes and it's sea salt and it's a good oil like avocado oil or virgin coconut oil or something like that. I like um, Boulder potato chip band, brand I like. I, I like some of the kettle cooked brands. Um, as long as the ingredients are good, I, I say go for it. And probably don't eat the whole bag. Totally. In one sitting. <laughs> or better yet, you can make your own potato chips, which is cutting some potatoes in really thin slices, baking on a cookie sheet for, you know, let's say 30 minutes at 450 degrees. And there you go. I make those almost every other night. Can you talk about the best oils for um, for cooking purposes? Like what application do you use? What I know you touched a little bit on um different ways you guys use it but can you give us like a general rule of thumb of where you would use like say olive oil versus coconut oil versus you know whatever oh sure yeah and in our cookbook is a good guide to cooking and we have an oil chart of what oils to use with specific heat points 
So if you're doing a lot of high heat cooking or frying or stir frying, avocado oil is going to be really great for that. Now, if you're doing baking and if you wanted a replacement for butter or oil in your baking, you could do virgin coconut oil. Um, that is the same consistency as butter. It's hard at room temperature, so that's why it makes a really good substitute. I also love using coconut oil um, to make eggs or even to cook popcorn in. Um, extra virgin olive oil should be your go-to oil for pretty much all your cooking, your salad dressings. Um, you know, if I'm sauteing vegetables or chicken in a skillet, I always do extra virgin um, olive oil. So think about olive oil as your go-to, but you, of course, want it to be extra virgin. Virgin coconut oil is a sub good substitute for baking or just if you want a little kind of different taste to some of your foods, it adds a nice kind of coconutty taste um, that I really love, especially on eggs. It, it just it, it makes the eggs kind of crispy and really delicious. Popcorn's really good with it. Um, and it's also really soothing on the gut, really great for digestion. And then the other oil is, let's see, we have virgin coconut oil, avocado oil, extra virgin olive oil, um, cod liver oil you can't cook with, but that is my other favorite oil. And that's just, um, you can take it by the spoonful, one tablespoon. But those three oils are going to be good go-to oils. So if you were looking for potato chips, you'd want potatoes chips with one of those oils. Right. But not cod liver oil. <laughs> Who knows where the world's going these days? Maybe we'll have our own on-target living potato chip with cod liver oil. Who knows? Yeah. Um, if our listeners want to check out something funny, I'll do a plug for a video we made a while back about people tasting cod liver oil for the first time. And you can you can search for it on Facebook or YouTube. And one of the guys was like, this is really good. I'm, I'm amazed. Like, I could see cooking with this. <laughs> You're like, like, no. like, yeah, not the right type of oil. No. I mean, you could drizzle it on some salad if you wanted in a dressing. I would just, I just recommend people take it by itself. But, yes, yeah. the video is super funny. you got to check it out because a lot of people think cod liver oil and they think, oh, my gosh, this can't possibly taste good. But, it actually, it's organic lemon flavor. It tastes good. It's fresh. It doesn't have any fishy, you know, smell or taste. Um, it shouldn't if it's a good quality. And people are really surprised by it, especially when they know all I need is a tablespoon and it gives me so many benefits. Um, but <laughs> it's interesting you say that because there are so many trends and fads that um, are in that kind of health space and people have been <laughs> taking it forever so it's definitely tried and it's proven that it has so many benefits. So it's definitely not a fad. No, definitely not a fad. And especially when it's coming from a really good quality source. And, and when people start taking it, they do see the benefits. So really good for brain health and heart health and hormonal health and lowering inflammation. I know when I don't take it, I don't concentrate as well. And I just, I, I can feel a little different. So there's a lot of benefits and um, kind of immediate benefits. On that note, I have someone wondering if there are any negative side effects to taking a fish oil pill versus consuming um, our liquid cod liver oil. Yeah, so you want to get as close to the source as possible since most of us don't have access to really high quality fish, you know, from the Alaskan seas, which is where our cod liver oil comes from, the oil is going to be the next best thing. Now, capsules are really hard to absorb, 
So, and you'll find that sometimes you have to take close to 15 capsules to give you what one tablespoon of the real oil does. So you're going to spend a lot more money. So we don't really worry about telling people to do the capsules. You want to do more of the real source and more of the liquid that will cost you much less. And, you know, if you do travel a few days at a time, don't worry about bringing your fish oil with you. It's it's in your system. A few days won't hurt you. So typically we don't really recommend anything um, that's like in a processed pill form. But you'll find that things that aren't, that aren't as processed will be much more affordable. So like, for example, flax seeds. They're $4 a bag for a large bag. Two tablespoons is a serving. Now, once you start converting that into, you know, flaxseed oil and then flaxseed oil gel tablets, the the price is going to go up probably like four times the amount. So maybe even more. Actually, flaxseed oil can be anywhere from like $30 to $50. And then we know the gel tablets can be a lot of money as well. So just think about the real deal as close to the natural source as possible that will um, save you it'll save you a lot more money and when you think about cod liver oil so a tablespoon is your serving and um, there's about 33 tablespoons in a bottle so that's going to last you about 33 days now cod liver oil is about $40 on our website so if you do the math you're really not paying much at all for just a, a tablespoon of that. So we always tell people, you know, if you're doing the spirulina corella, which is our freshwater algae little tablets, real food in a tablet, and then the cod liver oil, you're going to pay less than $2 a day on these superfoods. Right. So it, it really won't cost you a lot. And one of, one of the things uh, to keep in mind is when you're looking at prices for, let's say, the capsules, like people don't take into consideration how many you have to take. So yeah. it might, they might sell you 30 pack of tap, capsules. You're like, oh, that's a good deal. I'll take one a day. But in reality, that might only be two days worth of dosage if you actually took as much as you needed. Right. And then people get discouraged because they're not really seeing benefits or results because they're not taking enough. Right. So, yeah, you want to go as, as close to the natural source as possible, and you'll find that usually that will be more um, affordable. You know, we know that a lot of protein powders or supplements or vitamins, those are all really expensive. Um, and it's because that's how manufacturers can make money. You know, when there's processing involved, the profitability goes up. Um, so we know that there's no money to be made on a tomato, but there's a lot of money to be made on ketchup. Right. So there's really no money to be made on cod liver oil, but there's a lot of money to be made on cod liver oil gel tablets, right? So, so yeah, you can definitely save money that way. All right, Kristen, can you tell us about the plant-based movement? You've got, you know, like veggie pizza, vegan cheese, nut yogurt, um, you know, all this stuff, impossible burgers. You know, can you just talk a little bit about your take on this? Is it good? Is it bad? Um, do you have any recommendations if someone's interested in these type of foods? Yeah, so there's a lot of popularity around this plant-based diet movement, which basically just means you're eating more plants. So you're eating more fruits and vegetables and maybe more grains, and then you're limiting more of your animal products. Now, personally, I'm all about the source and ingredients. You'll find that at On Target Living, one of our biggest principles is the source. 
where is your food coming from? Is it in its most natural state? What processing is involved? So typically, we always like people to go as close to the source as possible, which it means finding foods in their most natural state. Now, you can think of foods closest to the source as one ingredient food. So we know that you know, an apple is going to be very nutritious for us. There's not even a nutrition label, you know, on an apple. We know that we're probably not going to overconsume apples because they're very filling and satisfied. If we have, you know, one apple, it's usually all we have. So think about when it comes to the source, you know, an apple is going to be as close to the source as possible, and then apple juice would be a little farther away. Apple pie would even be more farther than that. So you can think of just eating foods in their most natural source. Now, what happens sometimes with plant-based items or, you know, like you mentioned, um, veggie, tofurkeys, all these different things. The Impossible Burger. Yeah, the Impossible Burger. There's a lot of ingredients. So it's, it's further away from its natural source. Now, I always like to tell people that You know, food, it's so much more than calories. You know, it's information. It talks to your body. It tells it what to do. So if you're eating these plant-based foods that are supposedly supposed to be healthier or lower in fat, you have to keep in mind where are the ingredients coming from and what are the ingredients? Because sometimes when you're putting in these products into your body, your body doesn't recognize them, doesn't know what to do. A lot we're finding that these products have an effect on our gut health. Our gut can't break down and absorb these foods because they're not actually real foods. A lot of these foods are made in a lab. They're made by scientists. They're not really real quality foods. So I always tell people, especially when it comes to just living healthier, the first place to start is whatever it is you do the most of, just do it better. So You know, if you love mayonnaise, switch to an avocado oil mayonnaise. Or if you love peanut butter, find a peanut butter with one ingredient. If you love, you know, beef, find a good local beef from your farmer's market or choose grass-fed beef. Or, you know, find better sources of fish. Maybe you're choosing wild-caught fish. So I'm a big fan of I don't like anything fake, right? I don't right. I don't like imitation anything. I like the real deal source because the body can actually recognize it and it's going to be much more satisfying too. Right. Um, so you'll find that even the Impossible Burger, I'm not bashing the Impossible Burger because I know that they're making it so that they can feed the world and it can be more sustainable for the planet. But we also are finding that if we eliminated all animal products from our food system, it showed that emissions would only really go down by 2.6%, but typically overall calorie intake would go up. So sometimes when we're taking things out of our foods, we're increasing other things. And we've seen this with the gluten-free movement. You know, a lot of gluten-free items, they're taking the gluten out, but then they're replacing it with a lot of other ingredients that aren't always the healthiest for our body. So back to your question, I say if you can't read it, you really shouldn't eat it. And if you don't know where something's coming from, it's probably not going to be the healthiest source. So. There, there's a battle between, you know, whether plant-based is just healthier for the environment. And, yeah, it can be healthier for the environment, but sometimes it's not always healthier for our bodies. Do you have any advice for those people that just definitely don't want to eat meat, but they're looking to be as healthy as they can be? Yeah, so, I mean, for meat eaters, first, I would say just start to make your, your meat better. 
So find better quality sources. Go to a farmer's market. Maybe you go to a better grocery store. You're choosing better cuts of meat that are maybe the animals are raised in a more humane way or or maybe they're not fed GMO feed. Now, people that want to really start to limit their animal products, as you go closer to the center of the food target, you're going to find that a lot of foods are going to be perfectly balanced in, in proteins and fat and carbs. So, for example, you don't always need, you know, meat products to give you protein. So if you look um, on the food target, you see almonds. Almonds fall in the good fats category, but they're also high in protein and they're also a healthy carbohydrate. So as we go closer to foods in their natural state, we don't really have to supplement so much with meat. Most people are getting plenty of protein just by eating regular leafy greens, almonds, um, you know, just maybe they're they're doing a diet that's rich in like beans or lentils or even grains. Oats have have protein in there. So I'd say start to make whatever you're currently doing, just start to make it better. And maybe, you know, if you're making burgers, maybe you make half of your burger, you make the patty with grass-fed beef, and then maybe half of that is made with with black beans or maybe even mushrooms to add that really savory kind of taste. So starting to incorporate more plant-based, there's a lot of different ways to really incorporate healthier plant-based foods and and real superfoods closest to the source in some of the things you're already doing. I mean, you could do black bean tacos. You could do mushroom burgers. um, You can reduce the meat in a lot of the cooking that you're doing. So simple things like that is good. And Sometimes here in our our household, we usually do chicken and we'll do beef and we'll do fish for dinner, but sometimes we'll make our Mondays meatless Monday and we'll do a big salad with just a lot of good toppings and um, maybe I sprinkle some nuts on there or I make some fried chickpeas or or something on there just to kind of add more substance. This is a hot topic for me because I love coffee. And coffee is one of my favorite things to consume. And this is uh, the question, why is coffee categorized as a bad thing on the food target? (laughs) I get that question a lot. Careful careful how you answer this one, Kristen. So, you know, uh, personally, I don't really think anything's bad. Nothing really should be off limits as long as it's close to the source and better quality. Now, I mentioned that whatever it is you do the most of, just make it better. And you can do that with your coffee. I love coffee, too. I just make sure that when I drink it, I do a really good quality source. Now, specifically, you could do organic coffee. You'll find that coffee and tea tend to contain the most pesticides and fertilizers, and that can really cause a lot of inflammation on our system. So you don't have to feel like you have to give it up, but just start to be more aware of the type of coffee that you're having. So you could do organic coffee. You could also do more kind of like fair trade coffees or craft coffees or making, and I know you do this, Stephen, where you go to really nice coffee shops where, um, you know, they take pride in their coffee and where it's sourced. So first step is just not that coffee is bad necessarily, but you want to make it better. And also just keeping in mind that coffee is naturally acidic. 
Now, inflammation tends to live in acidic environments, and inflammation is really the root cause of every issue that we face now. So if you're drinking too much coffee, that can make the body very acidic. Um, But not just coffee. It's processed foods. It's stress. It's our lifestyles. That can all wreak havoc on the body and make us more on the acidic side where we start to become depleted in minerals, minerals that are essential for bone health and sleep and our heart health. So keeping that in mind, if you are drinking, you know, one to two cups a day is perfectly fine. Um, If you're drinking more than that, I always always kind of recommend people that are drinking coffee to balance out the acidity levels with a good mineral water. So a glass of mineral water that's like Pellegrino, anything that's naturally carbonated mineral water on the label. You could throw a lemon in there that can help to balance the acidity levels in the body. And then, you know, even all the foods, the more alkaline-rich foods and beverages that you'll find in the center of the food target will all help to kind of manage that. The reason that we put it in the bad category necessarily <laughs> on the food target is just because because of its acidic acidity in nature and we know that sometimes when we eat too much acidic foods and beverages then it can really cause issues with with the body and being depleted in minerals so that's why we choose it now drinking one to two cups a day a good quality coffee is not going to hurt you so it's all about just you know the quality the source how it's prepared so i always just kind of tell people you know if it's from fair trade well crafted organic brands you're making it with with love <laughs> that For counts sure. too you can test your acidity levels with just ph strips you can buy those at the health food store and you can put it under your tongue test your saliva and just kind of see where you stand with with some of those things but Sometimes people say, well, if I don't have my coffee, like I don't have energy or I can't get through my day. And that's where you have to take a step back and say, well, why don't I have energy? You know, am I sleeping? Am I drinking enough water? So sometimes we want these quick fixes, um, but sometimes we shouldn't really depend on some of these things. I personally like drinking coffee because I just enjoy it. I like the taste. I think it's comforting, um, but I'm not drinking it necessarily for energy. Yeah, and I learned this from from your brother. Um, maybe if you have low energy at a particular moment, you should get up and move. That's probably a reason to <laughs> get a little bit of movement in. Yeah, movement is a great way. I mean, like even on this podcast right now, I like to do podcasts when I'm standing up. Just, you know, sitting is, is horrible and it, it doesn't provide us any energy at all. So, yeah, just getting up and moving and doing something. All right. Should I only eat organic foods? Yeah, so we get this question a lot. We Sometimes in our presentations, we don't even talk about organic, and people will ask us, well, you never even mentioned anything. Well, as I mentioned, getting as close to the source as possible, that's first and foremost. So you're upgrading the quality of everything that you're doing. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be organic, um, but if going organic, we usually tell people to start with animal products. Um, So your meats and your eggs and and your milks, we typically do more um, plant-based milk. So we'll do do almond milk, we'll do cashew milk, we'll do hemp milk, 
uh, coconut milk, all those are really good. But as far as animal products, we try to do grass-fed beef. We try to do organic chicken. We'll do wild-caught fish. So starting with more upgrading to organic as far as animal products because then you're getting rid of um, the antibiotics, the hormones, GMO feed, just all those things that can really disrupt the system and can cause inflammation. Um, now, typically, the second place to start, and even cheese, I, I usually do organic cheese, um, but most of the time I'll do like a goat cheese. I find that that's a little bit easier on digestion and um, we can really kind of break it down a little bit easier than, than cow's milk cheese. So I'll do more goat milk cheese or even sheep's milk cheese is, is really good. Um, second place to start with organic is just um, dirty dozen produce items. So you can, you can Google dirty dozen. Basically, it's just produce items that tend to have the most fertilizers and pesticides that can also disrupt your system. And many times those are anything with the skin. So if you're doing, you know, apples or pears, you want to make sure that you get those organic. Or you, you all, of course, want to make sure that you're washing your produce because even organic produce can sometimes have organic pesticides on them. Um, but you want to make sure that anything where you eat the skin, you're typically buying organic. And then things that you don't eat the skin, like avocado, bananas, you don't have to worry so much about it. Now, also with packaged items, I usually go to an organic brand, and that's because most organic brands just have better ingredients. So, you know, if you love Cinnamon Toast Crunch, you could do an organic version. Um, I think there's a Cascadian Farms has a Cinnamon Harvest cereal or healthier Fruit Loop. So there's always different ways where you can take what you're currently doing and then maybe move to our natural or more organic brand that has real ingredients. So maybe it's not artificial colors, but it's, you know, coloring that's coming from blueberries or beets or, you know, natural kind of items that the body can actually recognize. And then there's things like oats, you know, that are just one ingredient. And I don't really worry about if they're organic or not because they're just, they're as close to the source as you can possibly get. So it's just, it's a matter of ingredients first and foremost, and the source is really what you want to look for, but then you can move into the organic option, which every store has organic items, you know, instead of your typical hot dogs, that don't have any beef, you could go to an organic grass-fed beef hot dog that's got just a few ingredients. So you can always, you know, make things a little bit better. Wow, I've never had an organic hot dog. <laughs> we had those on the 4th of July. They're great. And that's, that's what we really tell people is you don't have to give anything up. You just make it better. Every store, believe it or not, has these items. So looking at the ingredients, I mean, people would be shocked to know that their typical hot dog doesn't have beef. It has beef stock, and it has a lot of other fillers and ingredients, but no beef. So just switching to <laughs> grass-fed beef or real deal, you know, the real stuff is, is the way to go. All right. Are we ready to move on to the next question? We've got a ton to cover, so I want to kind of pack these questions in here. Yeah, of course. Do you recommend digestive enzymes? Again, kind of mentioning that the body heals as one unit. And so as we start to, you know, heal the body as one unit, our specific issues will go away. So a lot of people that are struggling with digestion, they have to look kind of at the big picture. Now, digestive enzymes won't necessarily fix the issue of digestion. They may just kind of treat your symptoms and help you to digest things a little bit more. 
but you really want to look at what foods you're currently eating. Why are you having digestive issues in the first place? So typically we find that people who have, you know, acid reflux or who having some gut-related issues, they're eating a lot of foods that come in a box, that come in a package, that come in a drink, that come in a supplement, that come in a bar, a pill, a smoothie. So they're not actually chewing food, like real, real live living foods. Right. Digestion starts with chewing. So if we're just constantly, you know, eating nutrients, things in a pill or a powder or blending up a smoothie, we're not really starting that digestive process. So where we find people struggle with digestion is just the people that are eating more of these packaged foods. Now, as you go closer to the source and you start eating real natural live living foods, we call them live foods because they're basically foods that will rot if you let them. So for example, an apple, if you bite into it and you let it sit there, what happens? Turns brown. Yeah, it starts to brown it. So it's called enzymatic browning. And what happens is when these live digestive enzymes are exposed to air, it causes browning. So the number one way to improve digestion is just to eat real live food. So when people are taking these digestive enzymes, they can get the same things from the source just from eating real foods, if that makes sense. Right, right. So that's where we would have people start is, hey, you can take these enzymes, but they're kind of just treating the symptoms. What you need to do is you need to start eating more live living foods, things that don't come in a box or a package. Because I know it sounds super simple, but most of us aren't eating an apple. We're doing applesauce or maybe we're drinking some apple juice, right? We're not eating these live living foods. Oh, you mean apple-flavored Pop-Tarts aren't a good alternative to eating an <laughs> exactly. apple? Exactly. And that's what, and that's sometimes what people latch on to is like, you know, flax seeds were all the craze for a while, and they're still great. They're high in omega-3 fats. But people think that, you know, if, if there's a little flax seeds in their 50-ingredient granola bar, they're doing themselves a favor when actually it's, not as close as a source. Why don't you just use flax seeds and maybe sprinkle a little bit on your oatmeal, you know, or like you're eating the real, real source at the source versus getting it in a processed form. Fruits and vegetables, they're natural prebiotics. Uh, Probiotics will be anything that's like fermented or also live and living like kombucha, um, kimchi, sauerkraut, all of those things are really going to be good for gut health and digestion. And you can take a probiotic, but if you're eating these healthier foods, you really don't need it. So you wouldn't recommend a food that has a probiotic integrated into it, like added, like um, let's say like a yogurt or something? You know, typically not because I'm all about things that are just one ingredient you know, as close to its natural state as possible. Now you can get yogurt that's got maybe added enzymes in there or added bacteria, but you'll get a lot of that from just real live living foods. So typically I say if you can get it as close to the source as possible, then that's going to be a lot more beneficial. Right, cool. Um, if you do like yogurt, then just do a better yogurt. I love Siggy's brand yogurt. It's Icelandic yogurt. It's really creamy, and it's it's very little, simple ingredients. Um, so I like that as well. But typically, as far as like gut health and digestion and getting a balance of good bacteria, you'll get, you'll get it from real foods. All right, let's move on. So 
this is a really big topic and you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but would you recommend people eat gluten-free foods? Can you uh, elaborate a little bit, maybe tell us what gluten is and why this is a trend right now, maybe? Yeah, sure. Um, Yeah, and it continues to be a trend, it seems, but basically gluten is a protein molecule found in wheat, rye, and barley. So there's 1% of the population has celiac disease and they can't really, they can't break down this protein. Now we find that the rest of the population who has gluten sensitivities or gluten intolerances, typically they just have weak digestion. So they can't break down the gluten molecule um, because it tends to be so large. And if they have weak digestion, then it's really hard to break down. So you'll find that items that have gluten don't even live in the center of our food target. So when you start eating cleaner foods and you start eating real superfoods and whole foods, none of these foods really have gluten. You don't have to worry about it so much. Um, Even oats. You know, a lot of people think that all grains have gluten in it when oats are naturally gluten-free. You have quinoa, which is naturally gluten-free. So there's a lot of, teff is naturally gluten-free. So there's a lot of good, healthy grains that don't actually have gluten. Um, Where we run into issues is processed foods. Many processed foods have gluten. Now, you can even find, and believe it or not, you can find packaged chickens like rotisserie chicken that has gluten, which it shouldn't be, shouldn't have, right? right? So there's things that many times it's processed foods that will have some of these added fillers that we really need to be careful about and make sure that we're looking at the ingredient list. But all these natural foods closest to the source and live living foods and fruits and vegetables and really good quality grains won't actually have gluten. So people is if you have, if you have celiac disease, that's a whole nother thing. But if you have just gluten intolerance or or sensitivity, you want to really start to improve your digestion. So you can have the ability to break down gluten if you have a piece of pizza from now, you know, from time to time or a piece of bread or whatever it is. But if you're eating really clean foods and you're eating, you know, fruits and vegetables and a lot of ancient grains and oats and um, nuts and seeds, you're going to be free of gluten anyway. But if you want to be able to improve your digestion so that you can have a piece of pizza every so so often, you really want to start with just eating these live foods to help with that gut health and to build up your digestion. That totally makes sense. So you can actually, if your digestion is messed up and you have gluten issues, unless you're in that 1% that has celiacs, you can actually recover and and get your stomach working the way it should right yeah i mean the body can heal itself and sometimes what happens is we have these porous guts just from eating a lot of acidic foods and then that causes inflammation especially in the gut tissue and then we have issues with just digestion and absorption and all of those type of things so as we start to get that good bacteria in our gut from really high quality foods, then we don't have to worry so much about some of these digestion issues, especially gluten intolerance. So if if we're finding that we really have a hard time with, with eating gluten, maybe we're eating too much of it. Maybe we're eating too many processed foods and we're not, you know, healing the gut or fueling the gut with, with the right enzymes from real foods. All right. This is, this is uh, another really popular trend. um, And people that follow a lot of what we post and share. Well, I've heard of this recently. 
Um, your dad did a really good article recently, Chris did. Um, this person said, my husband and I have done paleo in the past, and we're considering heading down that route again. I'm curious on your thoughts on paleo versus your program. When it comes to other kind of diets out there, now, we typically see that many diets just aren't sustainable. So if you're following some sort of program, it's got to follow two rules in order for it to stick because people don't want to start something and then just end it. That takes a lot of energy to start and stop, right? People want to kind of have that steady flow where they can really maintain balance and they don't fall off the wagon completely and they can get right back on. And it's really their lifestyle that can kind of take off. So if you're following a certain program or plan, or maybe it is the paleo, you have to ask yourself two questions. Number one is, is it sustainable? Can you maintain it long-term? Now, we find that many people can't maintain a paleo diet or a keto diet or a really high-protein diet, low-carb diet, because they're giving something up. We say that when you start to restrict a macronutrient, which is a carb, protein, or fat, then you start to have a macro problem because those are the macronutrients that really heal the body. That's the foundation for the body. So we get our energy from carbohydrates, right? We can build and repair muscle from proteins and then fats are essential for our hormones and they're essential for our gut health and our brain health. So we need a balance of these things. So if we're following a program that is restricting something, then it's not going to be sustainable. Now, some people can live on these diets and forever and they feel like, you know, it works for them. But most people, they give up something when they're following it. And one of the big things that they're giving up is the social element. Now, I don't personally like going out to eat with people who are on a diet. It's not fun to me and it's, it's stressful for them. So sometimes if we're taking out a social aspect of the whole eating experience, then it's absolutely not going to be sustainable. Right. So ask yourself, is this program I'm following sustainable? And then number two is, is this program something I can enjoy? Because a lot of people who are on these diets, they don't enjoy the process, right? They're giving things up. They're restricting themselves. They maybe don't have any energy. They don't go out with friends anymore. They can't drink wine. They can't go out for pizza. I mean, it's, it's not an enjoyable program. So I would say if you can, if you're following a paleo and you're doing it in the right way where you're just being a little bit more aware and you're upgrading the quality of a lot of things that you're already eating, um, but you're not restricting things on either end, you know, we know that we don't want to completely give up our carbs because then we'll have no energy. So we can't live too healthy and we can't live too unhealthy. We really have to find more balance. Um, so when we talk about our on-target living program, it's really not a diet at all. It's just a lifestyle. And what we help people to do is to build these small steps. So maybe they start drinking more water. Maybe they start eating closer to the center of the food target. They start upgrading the quality of their foods. Then maybe they're adding specific superfoods like chlorophyll or omega-3 fats that can really heal their specific issues. And then they just start building and building and building, and they're more aware of some of the things that they're doing. And then these habits and these small steps become daily rituals, and they don't forget to do. And so no matter what diet hits the market, they have a plan in place. It's a lifestyle that they can not only sustain, but they can also enjoy the process because we really have to be able to enjoy the process and then the, the result will be so much 
more rewarding. So I would say just be careful um, when it when you do start following a diet because many diets, when you think about the definition of diet, it's where you restrict something for health reasons. And a life of restriction will never work long term. So whatever behavior you choose, you have to make sure that it's sustainable. And that's where we find that on-target living works. We know on-target living works 100% of the time if you follow it, if you start to build this lifestyle in a way that works for you. All right, Kristen. Well, uh, I think you've answered a lot of our listeners' questions and some of mine, um, so I really appreciate it. Sure, and we'll be back for more. That's what we do. We have constant questions coming in, and we know that a lot of people have the same questions. So um, we'll be back for more and some different topics. But, yeah, it was fun to be with you on this podcast. I can't wait for the next time. Yeah, I've, I've learned a lot today. Well, you you definitely made the cut, and for all the listeners, um, Stephen always makes a, he makes us look and sound good, and he does a lot of cool things behind the scenes. So it's nice to to bring him out. Nice to hear my beautiful voice. Yes, exactly. So, well, thanks so much, and we'll be back for um, another episode of On Target Living soon. Small steps to healthy living. <laughs>